Imagine not knowing what your income would be each week. Financial planning would be a nightmare. Almost 90% of Vision's income is free will donations. When supporters commit to monthly giving, it provides greater certainty when budgeting for regular expenses and weighing up new opportunities that arise. Knowing we can rely on regular gifts each month takes some of the guesswork out of operating a faith ministry. Monthly givers who share our mission are called Visionary Extra Mile Partners. And right now, you're invited to join this growing group of faithful supporters. The amount of your tax-deductible monthly gift is completely up to you. What is most important is knowing that you are standing with us to reach Australia for the gospel. Click the banner at vision.org.au or in the Vision app to find out more about becoming a Visionary Extra Mile Partner. It only takes a few minutes, but will have an eternal impact. Vision. Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Social science experts would have us believe that one of the greatest needs of mankind is for a healthier self-esteem. Self-worth, we're told, is indispensable if mankind is to function well. This philosophy goes as far as to suggest that people with a healthy self-esteem will behave better socially, perform better in their work and studies, have less emotional hang-ups and will be more morally upright. Facts seem to contradict these claims. Never before has there been a greater concentration on building the individual's self-worth and yet few would agree that this has resulted in elevating society morally, emotionally or socially. The Bible teaches that self far from being the answer to my problems, is actually the cause of them. The biblical word for self is flesh. It is what man is independent from God. The gospel reconnects us with God through Jesus Christ. God is a much better solution to our sense of lack of worth than self-esteem. It is Christ-esteem. In Christ, we are complete. And that's the real key to wholeness. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And welcome to the program. This week we're looking at the subject of walking in the spirit. It's going to be a great week. It's Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. And I guess that phrase, Ken, walking in the spirit might mean different things to different people. So Mm. let's start with what's your explanation. Okay, well, that's what we're going to look at this week, Phil. Uh, It's clear that a Christian is capable of living two different kinds of life. Now, Paul describes these as flesh and spirit. They're diametrically opposite, or as to use his words, contrary to one another. The term flesh, as I said earlier, is a reference to man as he is apart from God. Mm -hmm. The unbeliever is someone who is in the flesh. He's born that way. Unless he's born again, he will remain that way. You might remember Jesus said to Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is of the spirit is spirit. So when we're born again, we are no longer in the flesh, but in the spirit. By means of our union with Christ, the flesh has been crucified. This means that Adam's life is no longer our true source of life. The Holy Spirit, through the new birth, has imparted the life of Christ to us. Now, Paul says to the Christians at Rome, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Now, here's the thing. Even though we are a new creation and no longer live in the flesh, we can still act independently of God. Mm. So Paul urges these same people who is just declared to be not in the flesh but in the spirit, to be careful that they don't live according to the flesh. So what I'm saying here is that whilst we're not in the flesh, it is possible to live according to the flesh. 
Okay, so what does that part mean, to live according to the flesh? Well, we can live according to the flesh in two ways. Now, the first one, you know, is obvious, stating the obvious. Uh, if I give in to the urging of the flesh to behave sinfully, Paul gives a list of that. You know, he says the works of the flesh are these, and he talks about things like fornication, drunkenness, hatred, contention, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something we all know, but that's often what we can find walking in the flesh too. But there's another side to this, and it's by doing good deeds, but independently of God. Paul actually said that there were some people in his day that were preaching Christ but were preaching him out of envy. <laughs> they were basically trying to compete with Paul, yeah. you know, and get the attention. Uh, you remember Jesus said that in the last days people say, Lord, we've done all these wonderful things. We've prophesied, we've cast out demons, we've done all these wonderful works. And he will say, but I never knew you. Yeah, you did these, from me. Yeah, you did these independently of me. So basically, to answer your question, the point is that whether our works are seen as good or bad, if they are performed independently of God, they're the works of the flesh. Mm. So really it's not what we do, it's our motivation in how we're doing it and how we're walking in the Spirit rather than by our own steam or our own motivation in our own self, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so what about walking in the Spirit then? Let's look at that. What does it actually mean? It's a term you hear a lot yeah. in Christian circles. What does it mean and how do we do it? Okay, well, the Holy Spirit, of course, indwells every Christian. The New Testament says the following things about the works of the the Spirit in our lives. He says, first of all, he's come to dwell in us in order to live Christ's life through us. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so on. And, of course, that's in direct contrast to the works of the flesh. A work is something that I can produce, but fruit is something that is produced in me by a power that's not my own. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not my doing. It's him producing that in me. That's the one thing. Then Jesus said this, that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you. Now, what does he teach us? Well, he teaches us all about Jesus. Jesus said that. You know, he will not speak of himself. He will glorify me and he will tell you things about me. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to get our focus upon, upon Jesus. He won't teach us about the law. He won't teach us about what we can do if we just try hard enough in our fleshly ability. He'll always speak about Jesus and what it means to live in him. His purpose, if you like, is to train our minds upon Jesus. You know, what it means to be in Christ, what it means to have Christ in you, what it means to have our identity now in Christ and and so on. These are the things of the Spirit. And then, of course, he leads us. What does that mean? You know, he says that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. I said earlier, Phil, that we're all capable of living two kinds of life. I can live according to the flesh Mm -hmm. or I can live according to the Spirit. I've got that choice. Basically, I will determine that by who I yield the members of my body to. So whether I'm yielding to myself or whether I'm yielding to the Spirit. Yeah or, yeah, or whether I yield the members of my body to sin or to righteousness. You yeah. know, I've got that choice. Now, the Holy Spirit is in us leading us. That leading is not just a gentle suggestion. The Bible says the Spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the Spirit. The Holy Spirit says no. Don't do that. Don't yield the members of your body to sin because you're not a sinner now. You're righteous. Mm. So be who you are. Yield the members of your body as instruments of righteousness. Be consistent with who you are. Mm. I guess what you're talking about here is common to every Christian, isn't it? I mean, it's not just some Christians that have wrong thoughts and desires and neither is it just the spiritual elite, so to speak, that can walk in the spirit. 
But Paul's talking about these things as if they're the norm, that they're a challenge for all of us. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's a very important point because, um, you know, a lot of Christians come under condemnation when they experience this. I, I have this term that every Christian is a walking civil war. <laughs> you know, we've got this war going on inside us, the flesh warring against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And as you say, this is the normal Christian life. We shouldn't feel bad when we experience this conflict because, in fact, only we can experience this conflict because only we have flesh and spirit. The unregenerate has flesh so it doesn't know this kind of conflict that we're talking about. But we experience it on a daily basis, the flesh warring against the spirit and the spirit warring against the flesh. What I would encourage us is not to come under condemnation when we go through that conflict, but in fact to be encouraged to know that we are God's children because we're experiencing this kind of battle. Mm. Would it be fair to say that the church or Christians in general have become so frustrated with the flesh and so caught up with the desire to be free from it that we've come up with you know, ways that we can eliminate it, but really it's here to stay. Um, you know, we'll always have the flesh while we're in this body. Yeah, I'm afraid so, Phil. <laughs> I wish I could say, no, no, there's a way to get rid of it, but uh, we're stuck with it. <laughs> um, as you say, b- because of the frustration that we feel, because we're, we, our whole nature is a, a, we're a new creation, this is like foreign to us now. It's mm. like not who we are, sin dwelling in our members. We've come up with doctrines like there was a a time when the church taught, uh, parts of the church, I should say, taught this sinless perfection. You could reach a state where you didn't sin anymore. You were free of all these desires even to sin. Mm. You know, we've been through this whole thing of deliverance, you know, where we try to get free of it by deliverance. But you can't cast out the flesh, (laughs) you know. You can cast out the spirit, but it's not an evil spirit. It's the flesh. None of these things are, are biblical. So God's way of dealing with the flesh is the spirit. He says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. But with a warning, I suppose, and that is if you try to live a life of righteousness without walking in the spirit, it's going to end up in disaster. You'll get frustrated. Yeah, and you remember we said that one of our definitions of walking in the flesh was trying to be righteous in our own endeavors, in our own strength. The very term to walk in the spirit means, hey, you can't do this uh, except through the empowering of the Holy Spirit who indwells in you. And we'll talk more about that throughout the week, Phil. Helpful advice on walking in the Spirit this week, and we continue our conversation same time tomorrow. Do join us. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.